What is the role of artificial intelligence in compliance? What about machine learning? Are you using chat GPT? These questions are but three of the many questions we will explore in this exciting new podcast series, Compliance and AI. Hosted by Tom Fox, the award-winning voice of compliance, this podcast will look at how AI will impact compliance programs into the next decade and beyond. If you want to find out why the future is now, join Tom Fox on this journey to the frontiers of compliance in compliance and AI. This podcast is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. In this inaugural episode, I visit with Ant Stevens, the co-founder of Six Clicks. We talk about incorporating AI into your GRC and compliance program. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for another episode. Today, we actually have a blast from the past as Ant Stevens, CEO and president of Six Clicks, joins us. We're going to talk a little bit about Six Clicks. We're going to talk a whole lot about ChatGPT. So, Ant, first of all, I know it's very early in Ozland, so thank you so much for taking the time no to visit with me today. Thanks, Tom. Great to be here. Could you remind everyone of your professional background and your current yeah, role? Yeah, sure. So I spent about 25 years uh, working in a number of corporate roles. I, I ended up at um, as a CIO and then Chief Digital Officer and a partner at KPMG locally and, and sort of looked at strategy and, and a whole bunch of related stuff for the firm globally. Uh, and I'm now sort of that was four years ago. I in 2009, 19 founded Six Clicks, and I'm therefore one of the co-founders and also the CEO. And what's the general business of Six well, Clicks? So we we developed a, a GSC platform to help companies with with risk and compliance. We did that in in such a way that had a few sort of unique characteristics. One of those we describe as hub and spoke, which is the federated nature of the way the platform was designed to help companies with sort of distributed or federated business models. So companies with central risk and compliance teams and multiple divisions or multiple geographies or whatever it might be. Uh, We also developed an AI engine, which which I'm happy to share with you in due course, but integrate into the platform and there's a whole lot of content that companies leverage to help them ensure compliance with different standards laws and regulations around the world so what is generative ai yeah i mean i i, I feel as if i've been looking at this space since well as long as i can remember and, and sort of just watching the slow but well in actual fact quite fast uh you know pickup of capability in this space. It feels as if the names just sort of popped out of nowhere in the last six months. But I think I think when people refer to generative AI, they're, they're talking about systems that effectively transform inputs into outputs and the outputs generate something of use, right? Whether it's an image, a video, a slab of text, something like that. They work on the basis that they've got a, an underlying corpus, right? So they've got a, a kind of brain or a reference point and and that's the that's the generative nature right they they generate the output based on a corpus of information so that's but that's broadly the way i think people describe it at the moment but 
you know, like all these things, sometimes marketers get carried away and it's described, you know, it's used in lots of different ways. So one of the most ubiquitous phrases of, I guess we're now in Q2, of Q1 2023 is uh-huh. ChatGPT. And uh, as versions have evolved of that product, we were in three, we may or we're either are moving towards or are in four. But I was wondering if you could explain to our audience what is ChatGPT and then where are we in the versions? Yeah. Well, I think it's I think it's useful actually to go back a bit. I mean, if, if I may, Tom, just to sort of describe, you know, where obviously people were introduced largely to ChatGPT3 or GPT3, which I think the, distinguish, the point of distinction is worth making that um, there's ChatGPT, which is the is the bot chat style user interface that people, I guess, are mostly experienced with, you know, typing it into Google and surfing the website and experiencing it. The underlying engine, though, is referred to as GPT-3. But as the name suggests, there was GPT-2 and there was GPT. And it all sort of started back in 2019, uh, 2016, I think, in actual fact, when OpenAI was founded, they did a bunch of research. Actually, Google did a bunch of research on what's called the transformer architecture. And, you know, then in sort of, I don't know, mid-2018, there was GPT, which was a small, you know, basically the same sort of capability, but referencing a small corpus of information, about 7,000 records or thereabouts. And then GPT-2, soon after then GPT-3, which extended the corpus out to 175 billion, that's a B, billion records, um, which which I think has given people the experience that they've had. And, I, you know, most folk would know it's been useful for uh, sort of generating largely speaking text. There was some image capability, but largely speaking text. Um, you know, that people are, whether it's very structured text like code, software code, or uh, more freeform creative stuff. Um, and then GPT-4 has taken the next next step again. I think that corpus has expanded. I keep forgetting the, the reference point, but another 10x on that, I suspect. Um, and, you know, it's generating not just text, but, you know, image and video and all sorts of other capability, which is, which is exciting, I suppose, scary to some extent. You know, separate topic, I guess, but yeah, that's that's GPT three to GPT four is largely an enhancement of in the corpus uh, or the underlying reference point and and what it generates. So when I was, I think nine or ten, my parents bought our first Encyclopedia uh-huh. Britannica, and I cannot tell I you how excited I was <laughs> to get Encyclopedia Britannica. And that was a huge deal in my house. It was a huge deal to my parents, to me and my sister, uh, because we literally had the world at our fingertips. And any successive edition that came out or update, you know, we would get that. But we could look at any topic or any subject in the world through Encyclopedia Britannica. And when I first heard of ChatGPT, I felt that yeah. same sort of excitement. But ChatGPT takes that a step further, and I think I heard you say that you can make an inquiry or what we yeah. used to do, look up in Encyclopedia Britannica. But you get not simply an answer, but how you can use that answer. Would that be kind of a fair Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it comes down to the thing that we've learned in working with GPT-3 because, you know, I suppose, you know, a, t- a tiny bit of context about kind of what we've done here is, 
he's used that interlying engine and plugged it into six clicks. But I won't go into that now, except for to, to say that what we learned through that process is that one of the sort of key skills you need to understand is what they refer to now as prompt engineering, right? In other words, the way that you phrase the input to GPT-3 is critical. You know, you can ask, as we know, when you and I are talking, you can ask the same question, you can phrase it in half a dozen, dozen different ways, and I'll, I'll probably respond the same way, or, or at least to a large extent, because uh, I understand kind of what you're getting at. But in a, in a GPT-3 sense, you, you can get different answers. And I think the trick is to, to phrase the question or tro phrase the prompt in a way that generates the best possible outcome. And that includes things like being able to ask or asking GPT-3 to structure the response in a particular way, right? That might be breaking it down into sections, it might be putting headings, it might be creating an introduction and then a body and then, you know, a conclusion, the sort of stuff that you read, you know, learn at high school in terms of how to structure a story. Um, all of those sorts of things can be, can be you know, prompted to the engine and therefore you get a different result. But likewise with um, software code, you can give, also give the system a lot of context first. So you can say, here's, here's a whole heap of, you know, existing text related to either where I've got to, where I want to go, and then, you know, here's the prompt in terms of here's the question I want you to solve for. So that's, that's broadly the way it works. The prompt engineering stuff is fascinating to me because it's sort of, you know, a lot of people I think are feeling, you know, perhaps threatened or, or to an extent vulnerability, vulnerable with, you know, GPT-3 um, or for or the, the, the entire generative AI, you know, explosion we've seen over the last six months because they feel, you know, perhaps these engines are going to replace their, their day jobs or somehow, you know, put them out of work. I think it's like a lot of te technology, though, that, you know, you, you end up, sure, there's things that do get displaced, but there's also, you know, fantastic new opportunities that emerge. And prompt engineering is, I think, one of those. Uh, I really have little tolerance for people who are not fully embracing mm. all technology. I'm a student of history, so they, my favorite term, yeah. of course, is Luddite. <laughs> But I see, see this as not simply something to be celebrated, but fully embraced because, as you suggest, it, prov it provides me a much wider set of options for responses. I won't pretend to say it knows compliance better than me, but I will pretend, I won't pretend, I will say it can create more yeah. content than I can create. It allows me to expand out the however I choose to use that, whether it's in-house, whether it's writing a paper, whether it's doing a something. And so how do you see ChatGPT really reshaping compliance or perhaps more gently, how is this a tool the compliance professional Yeah, right. Utilize? I mean, that's, that's sort of the, at Six Clicks, we, um, you know, we, we've seen this coming. We, we watched, you know, in the very early days, we actually implemented AI three years ago now into our platform for a, for a couple of business reasons or to help companies with specific problems that they've got. One of those relates to understanding the overlap between standards, laws and regulations. As we all know, you know, if you take if you take an area like cybersecurity or health or financial services regulation, and depending on where you operate, you end up needing to, you know, comply with different regulations across different states or geographies, perhaps. We all know, though, just through sort of, you know, basic experience or common sense that there's a lot of overlap 
between those things. And if you can reduce the overlap and look at what's you know genuinely unique to the areas that you're operating, then that helps you sort of streamline your compliance undertaking. So we 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 see that uh, you know we implemented that using not GPT tech capability, but in actual fact Google Bert Google's Bert model back in 2020. You can do the same thing with GPT, though. You know, it's very good at understanding and quickly, as you as you pointed out, doing stuff at, at sort of speed and scale and quality. And, and by quality, I mean consistency. Um, you know, I think better than humans, right? So if you if you're looking to understand what are the differences between X and Y, you can you can you know leverage GPT three to do that. Um, the other area that that we implemented within our platform and use artificial intelligence to help people with is understanding gaps between policies, right? So if you take a policy that an organization's got and a bunch of regulations that they need to be compliant with, you know, artificial intelligence engine in seconds kind of says, here are the gaps, right? Here are the controls that are missing or here are the areas that are not covered completely. So again, another, you know, effective use of artificial intelligence. In terms of GPT-3's integration into our platform, and I think you know I can talk a bit about sort of what we've done and where we're going there. Um, the, the the first area that we tackled was basically helping companies write control definitions, right? So, you know, most folk, I, I guess most of your listeners would appreciate that, you know, companies have policies and policies are made up of, you know, lots of stuff, but probably most critically controls. Controls are things that companies need to do. And responsibilities that they've got and you know cutting cutting it all down if they do those things and they do them um, consistently and as they're defined then then typically they can ensure a degree of compliance uh, the trick is actually writing those control definitions and writing them in accordance with the underlying regulations right so you know increasingly companies it's a theme we we see very regularly of course it's very much the case at the big end of town but I think all companies now recognise they've got lots of different standards, laws or regulations to comply with. It's not just one or two, it might be half a dozen. So the trick is, how do you write a control? How do you write a single control that complies with, you know, section 2.4.1 on regulation A and also A.6 on regulation B and so on and so forth. And we do this, I mean, lawyers do this or accountants do this or you know, professionals in this space, risk and compliance professionals do this through reading all that text and assimilating it all and, you know, putting it into two or three paragraphs that describe the control. We, we do that in using GPT-3. We do that as a sort of leg up for folk, right, in our platform to say, you don't have to write all of this stuff from scratch. You can actually just kind of make some progress on this front, get yourself to the 90% mark and then, you know, through your own judgment, um, you know, review it a little further. So that's where we use GPT-3 at the moment. We also use it for helping companies write policy overviews, right? Similar sort of thing. You're you're not making reference to specific clauses within a regulation, but you're making reference to the regulation overall. And and that reference point, you know, gives you the basis to write a, a kind of definition um, or an overview of the policy. So that's what we've done. Oh, you know, I think they're, I think they're fantastic examples of using artificial intelligence to cut out legwork, right? I mean, sitting and writing policies and controls, I think everyone 
you know, I'm not too much sure that there's too many people who get, you know, huge kicks out of that kind of work. <laughs> you know, you never know. You never know. It's a big world out there and there's lots of, lots of different styles. But yeah, that's, right. that's, that's kind of what we do. And, you know, there's plenty of other, plenty of other examples I can share, if you like, of where, where we're sort of planning the introduction of, of the GPT uh, capability into our platform to basically speed things up, generate content, get people to the 80, 90% mark, um, rather than, you know, them having to do a lot of that legwork themselves. I wanted to ask you what ChatGPT cannot do, but I want to maybe mm -hmm. rephrase that because you've, you've really come very close to touching on it several times, and that's right. the human element. And for those people who might think this is going to take their job, I would echo your sentiment that it will allow you to have a wider body of information or perhaps even work product available to you. But at the end of the day, it's still going yeah. to have to have a human uh, put it together. And so maybe could you, if what GPT can't do is not the right way to phrase it, yeah, what's well, the role of right. the human in yeah. utilizing think, the information? I think it's like, I, I talk to customers just about every day, um, you know, at some stage in their journey. And what I've learned is that, you know, that there are so many organizations that are still what I call bogged down in spreadsheets, right? They're down at a sort of you know, reasonably low level of maturity, trying to get their, their, you know, ducks lined up to be able to report, ultimately provide some confidence to, you know, boards, executive teams or external stakeholders on where they're at. Right now, you could you could kind of take what I've just said and, you know, put a whole heap of examples around that. But in, in essence, that's kind of where most folk are at. Um, I think, you know, that's that's uh, that's a that leaves a huge opportunity for people to actually add a lot more value to their organisations if some of that grunt work was was done you know a lot more a lot quicker and a lot easier using artificial intelligence like GPT and it leaves the opportunity then for people to do things that I think are really you know lacking in a lot of domains in business particularly around risk and compliance and that is you know, stakeholder management, communication, and ultimately judgment around kind of at, a, at an overall level, what should we do and where should we prioritize things? And I, I feel as if that's a really, really important skill because um, not just that, you know, it's important to organizations, but it's important for humans to do it. Because I think, Tom, you and, you and I are talking about in a business context, where should we prioritize? you know, our investments or where should we prioritize our focus or our resourcing, you know, is probably going to arrive at a good outcome when you and I talk about it and arrive at consensus. You know, consensus is not something that you you achieve. Uh, and I'm not talking about bl blockchain or digital ledger technology stock consensus. I'm just talking about people arriving at common outcome, common, common viewpoints is best served when, you know, two humans are talking, not, not just receiving outputs from systems. Um, but I think the areas that I described before, you know, writing policies, you know, generating co controls, I think there is a role for the human there in, you know, ensuring they're, they're correct, you know, putting overlays of judgment in place, you know, doing some validation, some quality assurance, maybe extrapolating on stuff. Um, 
but you know our mission i guess as a business and, and the way i see the world anyway is is to really empower people and enable them to you know communicate manage stakeholders and, and prioritize make good decisions more effectively because all of the other legwork's been you know taken care of using technology let me turn to ask yeah. Haley. <laughs> Uh, it's an offering of six clicks. So for those listening to this, when I just asked that question, Ant's smile went from about <laughs> ear to ear. So this must be something you're incredibly proud of. Uh, so yeah. tell us so about Haley Haley. was, I mean, just, just to provide some context, Haley was the, um, the, the artificial intelligence we built, engine that we built back in 2020, you know, based on a range of different technology from Microsoft and Google. Um, we then sort of, I don't know, I think it was probably nearly 12 months ago when we started to feel as if the the GPT OpenAI guys were near release, et cetera, et cetera. We were researching that capability, as I described before, and and we, we felt as if because there was this, you know, real um, human-style interface that we wanted to embed in the platform, we, we gave it the name, you know, we sort of extended the concept of Haley to make it Ask Haley. And that's effectively where we've integrated GPT-3. So we've got that, you know, in a bunch of areas around the application now, and that's in, that's increasing, effectively giving that user interface to folk to say, I don't want to write this slab of text. I don't want to write this control. I don't want to write this policy definition. I'll get Haley to do it. And Haley does that you know, not just based on what the, you know, user provides, but also with reference to all the system, all the data in the system. So we, we sort of construct or orchestrate the prompt based on what the user's input is, along with, you know, other reference points in the system. So the, the response that comes back, you know, is particularly powerful and I think relevant to the problem they're looking to solve. So we, we sort of feel as if the Ask Haley brand, if you like, will be you know, continuously embedded in, in lots of areas of the application moving forward. And where do you see all of this down the road? Bigger, faster, more dynamic, uh, a larger data set, uh -huh. if that is even possible, really almost up to sort of a chat GPT-5, literally with data from 2023, uh, available for use. Where do you yeah, see this Yeah, I mean, going? I think the gap at the moment, one of the challenges we found with GPT-3 was the gap in the corpus of information that was available, right, which is sort of, you know, lag 12 months prior, right? So when you when you query GPT-3, the responses that you got back were based on a, you know, corpus of information circa 2021, which, you know, to a large extent doesn't, you know, in a lot of cases doesn't make a lot of difference because the you know, the gap of information over that 12-month period, you know, sometimes doesn't matter. But I think increasingly as these, you know, models get released and as the capability continues to mature at the pace it's moving, you know, that gap in sort of understanding is going to, you know, get get a lot shorter. I think the, the technology at the moment is well and truly outpacing our ability to manage the change management aspects of it and think about, you know, the use of that technology within other platforms like six clicks but also just within the way that we work and live so i think there's this sort of you know as much as there's a lot of hype and there's a lot of attention and and real problems being solved with artificial intelligence at the moment i still think there's you know we're, we're not even scratching the surface of of what we're going to be able to do 
with technology like this. And as it matures, you know, that that uh, that gap's going to you know get even wider. Um, but I I feel as if the one of the analogies that that I quite like, you know, when people used to talk about the the cell phone or the mobile phone market was when folk thought about, you know, developing countries and, and how they used telephony. And, you know, many would know in, in remote villages and, you know, underdeveloped areas of the world, you know, quite often was the case it was faster for them to kind of leapfrog, you know, several generations of fixed line telephony and early mobile phones and so on and so forth and go straight to straight to 4G or 5G or whatever it is. And I think I think that's probably where I feel a lot of companies, you know, will see the opportunity is saying, you know, we, we need to rethink entire business processes. You know, we need to we need to rethink sort of, you know, the customer experience, the way we engage, the way that we review stuff and really, you know, embrace technology quickly and take take that mind, you know, mind shift, not incrementally, but sort of a, you know, a leapfrog style approach to it and i think i think really exciting things will come as a result of that kind of approach so yeah i mean and unfortunately no i was just going to say uh, look it's 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 bewildering to think even more than you know 12 months out here you know the minute you the minute you start thinking five or ten years out it's it's sort of out of control in terms of what the opportunities are but certainly an exciting space Unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but before we leave, I wanted to ask you if our listeners wanted more information on any of the topics we touched on or on on yourself, what would be the best place or places yeah, terrific. for them? Well, I'd suggest folk head to head to our website, www.sixclicks.com. There's a whole heap of information there if, you, if you'd like to get in touch with us as well. Please, you know, or contact me directly. LinkedIn's a pretty good option. My LinkedIn tag, I think, is Ant P Stevens. You can you can find me there or, or email me at Anthony at sixclicks.com. And I wanted to thank you again for taking the time to visit with me, particularly recognizing That's the hour of the day you're talking to me. And I look forward to continuing Thanks, this conversation. Tom. Appreciate it. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this inaugural episode of Compliance and AI. We're going to have a lot of fun with this series, so I hope you will subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and this podcast series. If you'd like to explore Compliance and AI on this podcast, please give me a shout at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. If there are topics you'd like considered, you can email me those as well, and I'll do my best to get a podcast up answer your question or questions. Compliance and AI is a part of the award-winning Compliance Podcast Network.